Unlabeled Leadership is a volunteer service. We appreciate our guests for their stewardship and remarkable stories. We also appreciate listeners like you who back the show with star reviews and contributions. Gary DePaul with Unlabeled Leadership. Welcome to episode 138, Ed Muzio, Iterative Management, DEI, and Welcoming Conflict. Here's a shout out to listeners in National City, California, Gulf Breeze, Florida, Noonan, Georgia, and Baltimore, Maryland. With that, let's get started. Occasionally, after recording an episode, I'll realize that there's some additional content that really is worth sharing. That content becomes a bonus episode, like this one. Part 1. Performance and Iterative Management Unlabeled leadership has a number of objectives. One is to avoid using terminology and assume that the listener knows what it is. Another is to take a term and explain what it is, demystify it, so to speak. In episode 33, Ed Muzio explains what this iterative management is. I encourage you to go back and listen to it because it will add some context to this particular part. To begin this part, I describe two terms, tactical and adaptive performance, and I ask Ed what his thoughts are about these. Here's how I begin the conversation. There's some serious research done by Dashi and McGregor. They publish it in a book called Prime to Perform, where they talk about two types of performance. They talk about tactical performance and adaptive performance. Tactical performance is executing a strategy. The adaptive performance is when you realize that the strategy isn't working. Situations have changed. Circumstances have changed. There's new variables out there, and you have to adapt and deviate from that strategy. And there's this tension between the two. You want to keep moving in a comfortable, well-defined, agreed-upon direction, but at the same time, you want to move away from that when circumstances change. That could be something that interplays as well with DE&I and the resistance of tactical performance as the way we do things versus adapting and changing because we're suddenly realizing that maybe these habits aren't working out for us. Well, I love that distinction, Gary. And I think, you know, you and I have done whole episodes about what I talk about as iterative management, which is essentially that same thing. Traditional North American management says we set a goal and we make a plan and then management equals monitoring people's performance to the plan and subsumed into that is an assumption that if we just follow the plan, we'll get there. Unfortunately, in real life, especially real life now, as you take a step, you learn. And the further you go, the more you learn that your plan is not sufficient to achieve your goal, either because your plan needs to change or because your goal needs to change. The whole kind of concept of iterative management that I talk about and that we see in the 20% of organizations in each space that are performing the best is more of the second kind of approach you mentioned, which is I'm going to incorporate what I've learned each step of the way into the next step I take. And so I'm free to change the plan. I'm even free to change the goal if I need to. I'm heading for a certain outcome and I'm paying attention to the, whether I'm on track or not and making adjustments. Certainly, any sense that DEI work is needed represents new information that wasn't there before that suggests we need to change something. And so, if we're managing and running in such a way that 
oh, that happens. We get new information and we change. That's going to land very differently than if we're managing in such a way that, no, once we set the plan, don't mess with the plan, follow the plan. <laughs> you know, we, what we see in those organizations is all the real work is happening in secrecy because we all know the plan is bad. And so we meet in meetings and pretend it's fine and then go do the work on the side. What we see in iterative organizations is the meetings are where we get together and deal with the differing viewpoints and figure out what we're going to do differently or what we're going to change or resource more or resource less or adjust or who's going to give away what for the greater good of the other thing. All of those group conversations and the mechanics for those are very closely related to what we're talking about when we talk about DEI, bringing diverse people around the table, valuing the diversity, assessing between them in fair and good ways instead of in unfair and, and inappropriate ways, and never closing the door behind them for more differences and more different opinions and more new information. That's really what we're talking about in DEI, and it's what we're talking about in meetings of the companies that stay adaptable and agile and what I call iterative. It sounds like. DEI principles can help with that balance between staying the course and changing. It could actually be a valuable strategy for recognizing when adaptation needs to happen and when it doesn't. Absolutely. You don't, you don't get better at recognizing when you need to change by ignoring all contrary evidence to the way you're already going. You get worse at it, much worse at it. Absolutely anything we do, whether we label it DEI, whether we label it iterative management, anything we do that brings with it the organization's systemic habit of paying more attention to contrary information and putting more value on database decisions as opposed to curated database decisions, I would say, mm. all of that is only going to help the company to stay more anchored in reality. And as you know, I have a sticker on my wall that says, We love reality, which is the giveaway when we do the big interventions because what we really want in the meetings and the discussions and the decisions is as much reality as we can, even though reality is sometimes ugly. Part two. Small changes can make a difference. Whether you're trying to change the culture or initiate DEI initiatives, making systemic changes is difficult. I ask Ed, for anyone who's trying to make these types of changes, what advice does he have? Here's Ed. You know, one big piece of advice I think I would give, and this applies to the DEI scenario as well as people trying to work on different kinds of organizational effectiveness, is a quote from Edith Eva Eager, who is a Holocaust survivor who's written a couple of New York Times bestsellers. Somewhere in one of those books, she says, conflict is human. When we avoid conflict, we're actually moving closer to tyranny than to peace. I think that's a key concept that I think gets missed in a lot of the sort of presumptive habits inside of organizational culture, which is we try to sort of whitewash the conflict or not have the conflict or take it away by building a system where the boss is always right or something. And I think everything we know from 70 years of research and experience in management culture and everything we know from all of the work that's been done, especially recently in the DEI side of things, is part of having difference is having conflict. I don't mean conflict like a physical altercation. I mean, conflict between viewpoints, conflict between approaches, conflict between backgrounds, getting good at handling that and reconciling that in group discussions and letting the light shine on that in safe ways that don't harm anybody individually, but also don't hide any of it is really very close to the center of what iterative management is about. And I think also very close to the center of what DE&I work is about. And so I think on the individual level, people can start to just look at that that way and start to see what they can do to welcome conflict and to invite differing viewpoints safely and to thank people when they bring up bad news instead of telling them not to bring it or killing the messenger, right? There's so many ways to play that out in ways that keep everybody sort of psychologically safe and employed. 
anything you can work on in that space is only going to nudge the whole culture in the right direction for DEI and for iterative management and whatever kind of positive organizational function you want to think about. I like that point. And I just think about that tension between trying to execute a strategy and when to deviate from that. I think about, okay, you're executing a project and everyone got together, they made decisions, they're moving forward. But one person who was sick that day comes in and says, oh, you made that decision. Well, did you consider and explains a different point of view that no one thought of? Do you say, well, we already made the decision or do you find ways of saying, okay, we need to incorporate that message, that new perspective, because it could derail everything because we didn't think of it. Conflict doesn't necessarily mean butting heads, delivering bad news, and that has to be, yeah, adversarial. Adversarial, yeah, yeah. You mentioned psychological safety, making it safe for people to be able to express their views without fear of retaliation. I think that's a powerful message and the right step for being inclusive to show people that they belong in the organization. And as an individual, when you do that, you're introducing new ways that could lead to forming new habits when you do that. Well, that's just it. And I mean that you give a great example because when that person comes back from being sick and says, you haven't thought of this yet, it's not automatically right to stop everything and think of that. Yeah. It's also not automatically right to say, nope, you weren't here too late. There has to be some judgment. There has to be some discernment and individual judgment and discernment is one thing, but there has to be some systemic judgment and discernment. A lot of that stems from the very things we've been talking about, like openness to new information and the idea that conflicting views are okay. The idea that that can be handled with some kindness and some psychological safety and that information can get fed in and decided. And it may be decided that, yeah, we're going to take a pause and figure this out. Or it may be decided that we come back to that person and say, you know, you weren't here and, and now that has to roll forward. Neither of those is automatically wrong. What's automatically wrong is have a default approach that doesn't consider the possibility that the other one is correct. And that's what we're working on with all of this work. You just said a key word, kindness. When someone does come up, say something. It's not just giving them the free space to be able to express it, but do it in a kind way when someone does object. Our brains start saying, we want confirmation bias. We're doing the right thing. We feel good about the direction. Someone's coming along saying that, well, maybe we're not going in the right direction. I think kindness comes into play where you do that. You say, okay, do we include this? Should we address this or should we move on? We got to look at this and say, do we want to stop things or continue and then keep that in mind? One of my favorite pieces of advice to give to executives and absolutely retains in this situation is say the following thing. The annoyance and frustration you see on my face is not directed at you personally. I deeply appreciate what you're telling me. What you see is me working through the process of what this might mean and how complex it might be. So please give me a moment to work through that. But thank you for bringing this to me. And I, I hope you'll appreciate that. I appreciate you. And I hope you'll bring these kind of things in the future because it's so important to all of us that you did. And I know it's not easy. Thank you. My thanks to Ed Muzio. If you'd like to learn more about Ed, go to the show notes. And if you have a question or comment, go to unlabeledleadership.com. Click the message icon and leave a voicemail message for up to one minute. I'd like to thank those who contribute to the show. Your donations makes a difference because this is an all-volunteer service. I'd like to thank you for listening. This is Gary DePaul. Until next time, lead on.